Hi guys, you're listening to Irrepressible, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Ashley. I'm an entrepreneur, a content creator, and I have a background in styling where I've worked alongside some of the biggest names in Hollywood, like Ariana Grande and Melissa McCarthy. You're in the right place if you're looking for a realistic approach to life because we're about to have some eye-opening conversations on how to do so. So let's jump into today's conversation. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Irrepressible. My name is Erica Ashley. For anyone who is new out there, welcome, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. Today's episode is really for my entrepreneurs out there. And even if you're not an entrepreneur, this episode can still really resonate with you. I had Leah Gervais on the podcast and Leah and I go way back. We grew up together and so I've known her forever. Leah is now the owner of a seven-figure business and she helps many, many people get businesses up and running and into the six figures very quickly. She's extremely knowledgeable when it comes to entrepreneurship, building a business, marketing, mindset. She has so many components to her approach to business, and I find it to be so fascinating. In this episode, she touches on how she built her business, how she helps others, build theirs, really what she encourages as the foundations of business. But she also talks about things like productivity. She talks about her fear of showing up on social media and how she's been able to push through that and how she continues to push through it. She also shares a little bit about the downsides to having as much success as she's had and how it has affected her personal life and other areas, which I found to be pretty interesting to hear. So you really kind of get it all from her in this episode. I really think there's something for everyone and everyone should have some sort of takeaway from this episode. So I'm super happy to bring her to you and share this info. I think you'll love her and I think you will find something that you can use starting today after listening to this episode. So with that, let's get to Leah. Leah and I go way back. I feel like we've known each other since we were like 12 or 13, I think. Probably like 15 years. Yeah. So it's been crazy. It's so, (laughs) so crazy. So I'm really happy to have you here today. And I think that you and I are similar in a lot of ways, especially when it comes to work. And I think that you have a really incredible and more importantly, effective approach to building successful businesses, which I'm excited to get into, but I'd love to give everybody some background on you. So do you want to share a little bit about your journey and what it's been like where you are now? And if this is kind of what you've always envisioned for yourself? Sure. Well, thank you so much for having me, Erica. It's definitely an honor and a full circle moment. I am from a small town in Colorado per per what Erica said, (laughs) and if you know about her, And I live in New York City now, and I have for, we're coming on 11 years with notwithstanding one year in Miami due to the pandemic. But what I do is help people, help entrepreneurs build small businesses, and I specifically help them with their marketing and their mindset. And in some ways, this is exactly what I thought I'd do. And in other ways, this is completely the opposite of what I ever could have imagined. So I'm happy to share a little bit about my story from the background. When I was younger, I always wanted to live in New York. That was just sort of a childhood like ballerina dream that I think everyone has. You and I both danced when we were younger. And so you always thought about what it would be like to be on Broadway or in the New York City Ballet. And, you know, 
like every other eight-year-old ballerina, I had that dream. Yeah. And I just never grew out of it. It just never left me, you know? And I think that like in high school and people were like, yeah, no, okay. So this is really what I want to do with my life. I'm like, no, that's still really (laughs) what I want to do with my life. And so New York has always been a certain thing for me. I did end up giving up dance as it pertains to like a professional career when we were in high school for a few reasons. One, I have pretty bad scoliosis. And so my doctor was like, okay, yeah, dance careers are already hard. And with your scoliosis, it's going to be even harder. And I realized that it wasn't the dance part in of New York that was important to me. It was just being in New York. So from there, I kind of started thinking about what I saw my life looking like here. And I really was drawn to a field being the, the field of law, being a lawyer. And I think that this just came from very naive, but I think still somewhat common assumptions about my personality and my judgments about being a lawyer. I thought that it was a really prestigious job. I thought that I would get paid well. I thought it would be really challenging. It was like very well respected. And I feel like our generation was sort of the beginning of the end of these traditional career paths being like the almighty thing to do with your life. But in high school, it still felt like that. That's I was still at that phase where I was like, doctor, lawyer, something like that would be really cool. So I wanted to be a lawyer and I was very argumentative. So I thought I'd be good at it. So I went to NYU assuming I would be a lawyer and I took out all this debt to go to NYU assuming I'd be a lawyer. And I just assumed I'd have this, you know, really fulfilling career that really challenged me in New York where to New York's credit, if you're going to be a lawyer, New York is a place to do it. I mean, you work on the most interesting things that lawyers probably could. We have some of the smartest attorneys in the world. So it was a pretty exciting path. And when I graduated from NYU, I ended up getting a job as a paralegal. And then I got into law school. I took the LSAT. Everything was going as planned. And then it wasn't until the final deadline for all of the law schools I had been accepted into. I got into, I think, three. And it was in the spring. And they said, we need you to tell us which one you're coming to for the fall semester, which was, you know, at that point, this was in like April of that year. And it was, it was going to be for the fall. And I had been procrastinating this decision for months. I just kept thinking, I don't know what law school I'm going to go to. I don't know what law school I'm going to go to. Which one do I do? Two were in New York. One was in the South Vanderbilt. Um, I was just kind of all over the place. And I realized, and that's very unlike me, I'm very decisive. And it wasn't until the final day that I woke up and realized that the reason I couldn't pinpoint which law school I wanted to go to is because in my heart, I just did not want to go to law school. And I think I had been suppressing that for a long time because for the past, it felt like eight years, I had made all my decisions, career, financial, and otherwise based on this assumption that I was going to go. And so to be, you know, I was only 20, I think three at the time, 24, I was, I was very young looking back, but it felt very serious to feel like I was basically going to be rewinding the clock to being 18 again. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where to start. I went to school for this. What do I do? Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to finally listen to that intuition. I had to stop using my like logical mind and the mind that was like, this is what you should do. This is what you're set out to do. And, and, and as I wasn't really used to that, honestly. So anyway, um, I feel like I want you to cut me off if I'm ever going into (laughs) too much of detail, but that's how kind of my life changed course. And so at that time, I decided to start a blog to write about my journey being in New York City, trying to find a career that I liked, but having no real idea what that was, having no direction. And I just felt like I wasn't alone because I do think that our millennial generation was on the cusp of what, you know, we talked about where it was like, I want to do something else. I want to be more fulfilled, but I don't know what it looks like. I'm scared to do it. My parents didn't do that. Who do I turn to? What does it look like? And I just really 
didn't know how to navigate it. So I started this blog to document my navigation of it, not knowing that the blog itself would, would become my career. So that's how I started my now business. That was almost six years ago. That blog turned into a platform. That platform allowed me to start selling my own products and services that allowed me to then quit my job. And it's now a seven figure business. Yeah. It's incredible how like everything works out. Do you feel like I come across this a lot where it's like people go to school for one thing and then they get there and they're like, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And then you're kind of have that lost moment. And then you, you know, figure out a bunch of different things. But I think there's this weird pressure from society. That's like, if you don't know exactly what you're doing, like you're not going to make it. You're this, you're that. How do you feel like you navigated the transition of all that? If that makes sense. So yeah, like feeling like I had it all together and then basically having to look like I have no idea what I was doing. Yeah. It, um, it's a good question. At the time, I think that I did a lot of buffering, basically kind of describing what I was doing right and and how I was figuring things out to try try to kind of dodge the truth, which is that I didn't know what I was doing and I didn't know what I was going to do instead. And, you know, people's criticisms of us only affect us if we have an inkling that they're right. And that did have, I did have that that was a self-conscious thing of mine. I felt like people that didn't think I knew what I was doing were right because I didn't know what I was doing. So I tried to just really deflect it and avoid it while I could figure things out. Basically, I'm saying that in quotations. But now looking back, I think what I've learned is that that pressure is one that is from a fear-based mindset to have a sense of security. And I think what I've learned is that security only comes from within. A job doesn't give you security. A career doesn't give you security. Your pension doesn't give you security. Even your family really can't. It's really only you and your relationship with God that can truly find the faith to know that you're going to be okay no matter what, because things can change all the time. You know, anyone who told me five years ago or six years ago that what I was doing was not responsible or that I needed to do something more secure, the joke is on them because then a few years later, we went through a pandemic where everyone who thought that they had security, so many people didn't. So I really realized what an illusion that is now. And I kind of wish I could have had that courage in the beginning because I do think that it scared me. But my advice to anyone out there who has that, has to navigate that is just to remember that real security comes from within. And if you look for it externally, you're not really making decisions based on what you want. You're making decisions basically to avoid the fear of being insecure. And and you can avoid that by just finding the security from within. Yeah. Makes so much sense. With that, you are very much an entrepreneur, but I feel like you have this entrepreneur spirit to you. And I feel like you've had that as long as I've known you really, where do you think that comes from? I think that it is a mix of nature and nurture. I think that I am born. I do think I have an entrepreneurial blood type. I, I, I can't ever picture myself not being an entrepreneur in my life. Um, it's just how my brain works. And my dad was an entrepreneur. He started his own business. So I do think that I saw a lot of that growing up. And my dad's path was very different than mine because though he started his own business, he started an accounting firm. So it's not like he was rewriting the rule book. He had to start his own, but there was people knew how to be accountants. Whereas kind of what I'm doing and similar to what you're doing, you're really just 
the wild west out there. You're kind of forging it on your own. Um, but I do think that my dad and his mindset as an entrepreneur did make a big impression on me. And, you know, he always really taught me from a young age that life is, it's good to take risks. You should be, you should embrace risks. Um, you will be rewarded for your risks if you believe in yourself and if you take them. So I think it's a mix of, I was born with a big personality for it. And also I was nurtured and saw it growing up. And I used to always think anyone could be an entrepreneur, but I don't know. I don't, I don't believe that so much anymore now. I don't think it's for everyone. Do you think anyone can do it? I think anyone can do it, but I think the bigger question is, do, does everyone have the heart and like the strength behind it to keep going when times get rough? I think yeah, that's, I think that's a really question. good way to put it. Yeah. Can you stick with it? But it's interesting you say that because my dad is very similar. An accountant started his own firm. <laughs> Watch that growing up, you know? So I think maybe for us, it was just like a little bit more ingrained. I don't know. Yeah. And I think we're really lucky for that because I know yes. that it can feel like if your parents really are not a fan of it or don't believe in it or don't believe in risk, it's really, really hard to go against that if that's what you saw growing up. Absolutely. Yes that transitions perfectly to my next question for you. What are like some common business, either myths or limiting beliefs that you see people having around, uh, business? I feel like they can kind of be one in the same. Yeah, that's a great question. I think the biggest kind of pattern that a lot of new entrepreneurs have is Assuming that they have given it their all way before they've given it their all. I think that a lot of people feel like once they have kind of the slightest sense of discomfort or fear, or I didn't make as much money as I thought I would, or this didn't get as much traction as I thought it would, or things aren't working. They're very, very quick to feel like this, this, this whole thing isn't worth it, or this whole thing isn't stacked in my favor or some of the mm -hmm. other things that we tell ourselves. And I think that that comes from several different things, but mostly I think it comes from a deep sense of fear that something isn't working and everyone's justification for why things aren't working come are, are usually different for them, depending on an insecurity that they have. So for some people, if they feel like their business isn't working, that's because maybe they have a long pattern of having a fear of them not being good enough for things. Maybe they had rejection when they were a kid. Maybe they, people told them they weren't good enough for things growing up. So they're very sensitive to that. And their brain therefore tries to protect them from any other situation in which that could be true. And so if things aren't working right away, your brain is going to, your ego mind is going to immediately say, or your subconscious rather is going to say, uh oh, this is another situation in which we're not good enough for this. We should get the hell out because we've been here. It's painful. I hate feeling like I'm not good enough. What else can we do? Or maybe your insecurity comes from the, maybe you've had a long ongoing fear of, I don't know, what's another common one, um, uh, rejection maybe, which is, I think, similar to not being good enough. Let me try to think of one that's a little more different. Maybe you've had a long gone on fear of not feeling worthy enough. Maybe you've achieved things, but not feeling like you, um, deserve them. You know, maybe things were handed to you growing up. Everyone has their own versions of stuff that mm -hmm. you bring into entrepreneurship and your brain is going to try to protect you from your deepest fears. Always. That's what our subconscious mind is here for. It's to keep us alive, literally. But if you don't recognize that your brain is trying to protect you from the fear rather than trying to look at it objectively and think, okay, 
let's look at what's really going on. Maybe this launch didn't work. Maybe I didn't make as much money. Maybe this didn't resonate with people the way I thought it would. This sucks and it's okay for it to suck, but that doesn't mean you stop. That does not mean that you turn around. That does not mean that you're not good enough. It does not mean that you're not worthy. It does not mean that you're going to have rejection. All of these fears that we think we're going to have either don't come true or if they do, you can handle it. And so I think that honestly, I think the reason most people have that is because entrepreneurship is really glamorized in Hollywood and on Instagram and things like that and Instagram or, um, and, and Instagram, but entrepreneurship is glamorous in a lot of ways, but people think that because they want to gain so much comfort as entrepreneurs, comfort of having more money, comfort of having more time, comfort of having more freedom, they forget that that comes with a hell of a lot of other discomfort. You will get rejected. You will have things not go as planned. You will feel vulnerable. And if you're not willing to have one with the other, it's going to be really hard to keep moving forward. So I think that that's the most common thing is people only want the comfort and don't understand that the discomfort comes with it. How would you tell somebody to handle the discomfort or to move through it? Because in those moments, it feels like I'm out. Very real. Totally. Totally. It's really, really real. Well, I think there's a few things you can do. One, I don't think any entrepreneur should do it alone. This is why I think coaching is valuable, masterminds, just being in some sort of community with other entrepreneurs, because even if you have really supportive friends and family, unless they're in the in the game with you, in the ringer with you, they don't really understand what it feels like to have those very fearful moments or, or deep moments of rejection. So finding at least someone or a community of people that you can talk to, I think is really, really valuable. The second thing is to have a deep connection to the why of why you started and just continue to remind yourself of that. And I think that that is what has always kept me going, even in moments of, of things not going right, or even in moments of deep fear or big challenges is just basically remembering at the end of the day, I still wouldn't trade any of the discomfort that I've experienced for the life I've been able to create and the business I've been able to create and the vision I have for my future. So it's really not an option. And that knowing that, like that deep-seated knowing of how big my why is, keeps me out of a dark place for very long because I just know in my heart that I will not, I will not give up. So it's like, why even entertain the idea of it? Why not just keep going forward? So I think getting clear with your why, writing it down daily, having a lot of that time to connect with it will help your work feel more like an overall mission and less like something that you're crossing off a to-do list, because if that's what it feels like, and then it gets hard, of course, you're going to want to throw in the towel. That doesn't have any fulfillment attached to it. And then the third thing that I think is really important is to make sure you celebrate every little thing along the way, even if it feels like you haven't achieved something big yet. I remember in my early days, you know, I was so down for like a year because I didn't make any money really at all. And I never celebrated anything because I just felt like I didn't have anything to celebrate. And now I celebrate, like people are probably annoyed by how much I celebrate, but I started like the first thing I started was I celebrated was the fact that I had a thousand followers on my Instagram, you know, like that. If I hadn't gotten into this mindset, I would have just glossed over that. I would have felt like, well, people have 10,000 or a hundred thousand or a million. Who the hell cares that I only have a thousand? But remembering that like that started from zero and I did that and I built something out of nothing and deciding to celebrate that really started to change my mindset and also just makes you someone that people like are more interested in or like attracted to or see themselves in. And so, and I didn't have any money at the time because I didn't make any. So I just bought like a $9 bottle of Andre champagne, which makes me like want to throw up now thinking about it. But like, that was how I started, you know, that's what I did was that's how I celebrated. And ever since then, I've just always made sure to celebrate things along the way. Cause you do, you have to keep it fun. 
no one's going to reward you for your hard work. You have to reward yourself. Absolutely. I love that so much. There's also one thing that you told me that has stuck with me every day when you're feeling in those moments of like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Yeah. Is the idea that there's, if you, if you are clear on your mission and your purpose and how you can help people and what you're bringing, there is literally somebody out there praying for what you have to offer. And yeah. that just to me is always like so motivating because I think about the times that I've been like, please, I need something. And then there's somebody out there with it. So I think that's a good, a yeah. good reminder. I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that that really does help it to help us take it outside of ourselves and remember that this isn't just about us. And there's out, there are people out there that will benefit from what you do, but if you don't work, then they can't, they'll never know. Exactly. So you, I feel like have a different approach to business than a lot of people where I feel like you mix the spirituality mindset as a heavy, heavy part to entrepreneurship. How do you incorporate that? How did that come about for you? Well, I think that I learned early on in my entrepreneurial journey that I function a lot more in the masculine energy than feminine. And I don't mean like that I act like a boy versus act like yeah. a girl. I don't know if your listeners are familiar with like the masculine and feminine energy, but to summarize, we all have a mix of both. And our society is obviously more so structured under masculine energy because we live in a patriarchal society, which is a different conversation, but I always have functioned as well in that way. Meaning I like to work. I like things to be logical. I like things to make sense. I like to check things off boxes. I like things to be very practical and that's really how I've done well. And so when I started my business, I kind of used the things that I thought were my strengths, which were my discipline and my organization to execute and it didn't work. Basically, it just did not work. And so I had to be, uh, and, and then people told me about mindset and the law of attraction and sounded all new agey and blah, blah, blah. And I just didn't really see how they fit in together, but kind of as a last ditch effort, I thought, all right, I'll give this mindset thing a go because what I'm doing isn't working. And so I might as well try something else. And then I dove deep into my own personal development as a tool to really just see where else I could take me. And and I mean, everything changed almost overnight. It felt like I went from stagnation for a year or two to feeling like in six months, then I was able to quit my job. Then I was able to hit five figure months. Then I was able to hit six figure months. So it, it, I'm sold on it for sure. It, it doesn't feel like an option to me anymore. Um, and I think that it is the single, I'm never someone to say like, you have to do X to be successful because I think everyone's version of success is different but your mindset, I don't think is optional. Your spirituality, that to me is something, sorry, <laughs> that to me is something that I think you have to decide how that fits for you. Um, to me, it, it, it's something I believe in. It makes sense to me and it helps with the heavy lifting, but your mindset and recognizing how you think and recognizing how you stop yourself and where you'll stop yourself, that I think you absolutely have to do. Otherwise, you're only one person and you will stop yourself before you get to where you want to go at some point. Do you have any sort of a mindset practice that you do daily? Totally. So I either listen to or read some sort of mindset book or podcast or audio every single day. Um, I have, I have a newborn for your, for those of you that don't know, which I'm sure your listeners do not, but ever since I've had my baby, the routine hasn't been as much of a routine as usual. 
but I actually kind of like that. So it's sort of like, I'll just make sure I do it once a day, whether it's when I'm exercising or going on a walk or before bed or in the morning. And I just sort of let it fit in with my life. Before I had my baby, I was a lot more like, it has to be at 7am every single morning, but that's not how life works. And so now I just sort of let it fit in where it could, where it can. But just having a consistent dedication to making sure that you're like tending to your mindset every day and almost thinking of it as something that you have to foster and take care of, that works really well for me. Um, And then I do journal every night before I go to bed. And I, in the morning, also like state my intentions and I write a mantra down on my um, desk every single morning too. So Mindset work can feel so daunting and it's actually really so simple. It's kind of just choosing how you want to think instead of allowing thoughts to function under your default way of thinking. Um, Your default way of thinking is a product of your parents who both of you and I just established aren't always going to be on the same page as us. That doesn't mean that you don't love them or that they don't have helpful things to share with you or that you don't value what they have to say, but they're on a different path than you are and you have to be choosy about the path you're on. Um, and so the best way to decide how you think is through repetition and just proactiveness and intention rather than just trying to like overthrow your thoughts when they get hard, if that makes sense. Totally. I love it. So you work a lot, you have a mastermind, you have one-on-one clients, you work with people heavily in their businesses. What are maybe one to two things that you really encourage your clients to focus on when it comes to the foundation of business? So the biggest thing is their mindset and making sure that they are thinking in a way that is in alignment with their success and that they're not contradicting themselves. Something that people will often say is like, I want to have a seven figure business or I want to have a six figure business, but I'm afraid to post on Instagram because it's not perfect or because Or I'm afraid to raise my prices because what if people say no? And it's like, that's a contradiction, you know, and you might not realize it when you're saying it because both sound logical. It sounds exciting to have a six-figure business and it sounds logical to not want to be rejected because the price is too high. Like that's the average person that feels humiliating, but that's where you have to have an entrepreneurial mindset, not a nine to five mindset and realize that if you want something, but you're not willing to do what you're what you need to do to get it, you're not going to achieve it, which there's no judgment around, but just pointing things out like that, I think is really important. So mindset is completely critical. And then I think the other really important thing that I try to do with all of them individually is make sure that they're building business on their, like really the way that they want it to be. And I know that that might sound cliche, but because so many of us have worked at nine to fives or had parents that did the corporate ladder or are just ingrained in Western society where corporate America is still the dominant force. We think we want our own business. And then the first thing we ask is, okay, so like, how do I do that? How do I, how do I build that? And it's like, you're unknowingly just building someone else's business and you're not really building your own. And so I really try to coach my clients to find out what they really want theirs to look like and to not have it be a carbon copy of someone else. Yes, you can be inspired by other people. And I think that it's really important to study success and everything, but not to be doing things you don't actually want to do because you think you should. So in practicality, what that looks like is finding platforms that you like and being consistent on them versus getting on TikTok just because you feel like you have to or getting on clubhouse because it was the hot new thing at the beginning of last year or something like that. 
um, you know, not like maybe you do, you want to write and that's what you want to do. And you hate video, but you feel like you have to be on YouTube and realizing, okay, no, you don't, you can be a writer. You can write on Instagram. You can write on blogs. You can write on email. What do you really want to do? So I would say the biggest two things are one, your mindset and two, your like aligned business plan. I love that. And that's one of the things I really, really love about you is that anytime I've ever told you, like, this is what I see for myself, or I'd like, I'd love to do this. I never once have ever felt like you were like, yeah, that's impossible. You know, like, <laughs> you're okay, then you should do it. You know? Like, yeah. <laughs> and I think that there are people out there who are like, well, that's not the right business model. You can't really combine those things. And I think that's really hard on new entrepreneurs, especially when they're in that, like, I don't know how to get started. I just quit a job. I'm stuck. I don't know what I'm doing. I think that really makes such a difference. Yeah, I agree. Well, I'm glad that you enjoy that. Thanks for saying that. And I truly believe it. You know, I think that it's so hypocritical. I'm not like trying to call out other um, coaches or thought leaders or Instagrammers or whatever out there, but there is so much hypocrisy around people saying in one breath, anything is possible. And then in the next, but you have to do it this way. And it's Mm -hmm. like, what is the point here? You know? And because, because I have helped so many entrepreneurs, I do think that there are some easier ways to do things than others, or some things might get you faster results. That's true. But what's the point then? You know, if you're really only doing this because you want the fastest results possible, then I don't think you'll find the freedom that you really want or the fulfillment that you really want or the joy that you really want. And those are the things that people quit their jobs and started businesses to have. And so quick wins might feel good in the moment, but for the big picture and for your actual, you know, joy in life and fulfillment, you have to follow what you want to do, even if it means things look different. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned a minute ago about the rejection that comes Mm -hmm. along and the judgment. How have you handled that? Because it can be scary if you've never put yourself out there before to suddenly start doing that. It still scares me. So I want to be clear about that. It's not something that has ever gone away. So I think there's three immediate things that come to mind. One is like, recognize that, that you can, you can be scared and still do things anyway. And I think a lot of times we, before we realize that we just think if we're scared, we can't do something, we shouldn't do it. We're not ready for it. And I've learned in this journey that the fear is just part of the equation. And So being afraid, like having the freedom to realize that I can be afraid to do something and still do it anyway has obviously freed me up a lot and allowed me to do a lot more. And in the beginning, I think one of the most freeing mindset shifts I had about that piece is that I was so afraid of people judging me. And like, I don't know how, what your thought process is, Erica, but I used to be afraid of like what people from high school would think about me if they saw my platform, which who cares because I haven't talked to people in like 10 years, but that like, I was genuinely afraid of that. And I remember even early on in my business days, like I would see some people from high school, like following me. And I was like, how did they find my account? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, who cares? (laughs) So what I realized is that people do judge me and they judged me before I had this platform. Like people are just going to be judgmental. It's human nature. And if people really have enough time to be sitting around and judging you, then that is their material. It is not 
you know, on you to be appeasing those people. And you staying quiet doesn't do any good for them. It doesn't do any good for you. It doesn't do any good for the world. It really only helps you think that you are not being judged, but in reality, you're being judged anyway. So it's really just something that you have to kind of shift your mindset about and recognize that the only person who is allowed to hold you back from that is yourself. And if you give power to people that are judging you, then, then they win even more Then, on top of judging you. They're also allowing you to hold yourself back and stop yourself from dreaming. And that that's just not something I was willing to do anymore. So, you know, getting real about the judgments and where they come from and what that is actually happening definitely helped me like release a lot of my fears and, and see things differently. Um, but I think the, the best thing you can do with any fear you have in entrepreneurship is not talk yourself out of it. I think a lot of people are so quick to be like, oh, no one will judge you. No one will look at your profile. It's okay. No one's doing that. That's not true. People will judge you and who cares? You know, like it's the same thing when people are afraid about money. Like, well, what if I don't make money and others are like, oh, you'll make money. Oh, you'll, you'll make all this money. It'll be fine. Everything. You'll never have any financial problems. It's like, no, you will have a launch that doesn't go as planned. You will have a month where you don't hit your goal. That will happen. And you'll be fine. You know, you can keep going. And I think that that's really the strength with this all is it's not about like avoiding your fears or trying to make them not come true. It's just about recognizing that you're more powerful than them and that they can come true. They probably will. And you'll still be okay. Totally. I think also a lot of it back to the mindset is perceived judgment versus like what's actually being said to you. Like you'll never know what somebody's thinking. (laughs) You never know. Totally. You're just like assuming what people think about you. And to that point, it's probably your own insecurity, not others. Absolutely. Do you have, did you have fears with that as you started your business? I did, but it's be my background when I was act in the acting industry for so long was like, nobody can know your age. Nobody can know this. And so for a really long time, I had a fear of anybody knowing anything about me. Mm. And so when I transitioned out of that, I was like, I don't even know how to share wow. myself or tell people. And so that was for sure a struggle. And then I was like, are people, you know, she was always like this and now she's like sharing things. And it's, it's for me, it was always in my own head. And then I'm like, who cares? Like, this is what I want to do. <laughs> I don't have time yeah. for that. <laughs> right. Right. At, at some point you're just like, I'm, I'm sick of hearing myself like care. <laughs> Literally. It's not that serious. <laughs> right. Right. Like, it's just like not that big of a deal. <laughs> yeah. But I do think everybody deals with it for a second. I do too. I do too. And I, I still deal with it from time to time, you know, yeah. as I've like gotten more visible and up leveled and put new things out there. I'm still just like, Ugh. you know, it's still scary, but I, I just, I, I can't stop myself anymore. I, I don't have time. <laughs> yeah. Me either. Okay. I have a handful of rapid fire questions for you to end, end on. Bring it on. Okay. What is your favorite business tool? Maybe a website, an app, anything. Hmm. My favorite business tool are mindset books. (laughs) I would say specifically the science of getting rich and maybe an app would be audible. Okay. What's one thing you want to stop and one thing you want to start? Um, One thing I want to stop is um, self-doubt and owning my decisions more, not second guessing myself once I've made them. I feel like as I've grown my business, I have made more decisions completely alone, which is cool in a lot of ways and exciting because it means either I'm doing something I don't know anyone else has done before, or 
I'm just trying to trust myself more, but I've noticed that it, it has, it, I'm still working on not doubting myself after I've made them. Um, something I want to start is, hmm, good question. Something I want to start is more, something I want to start is restricting more of my screen time. I I've kind of last year, I like deleted Instagram for a little while and now I have it back and I like it. Um, but just overall spending less time on my screen is something that I want to start. What's the best thing you've ever splurged on? Um, coaching is the best thing that I've ever splurged on for sure. Um, but if we want to get really specific and like thing like then my um lady dior bag is my favorite luxury purchase it's a good bag what's the worst thing you've ever splurged on good question the worst thing i've ever splurged on was a i hate to say it big chanel tote that didn't have a zipper and was heavy (laughs) you have to be very specific if you want a tote is what i've learned because they have to be very practical and it was not very practical. So that was the worst thing I ever splurged on. I'm sad to say, because I love Chanel, but it just didn't cut it. Sometimes they're just not it. Yep. Sometimes it's a mess and that's okay. Yeah, totally. I think that we all have our own personal superpowers, like something we're just very inherently good at. What do you think yours is? Seeing the good in almost any situation. What's a lesson you had to learn the hard way? That success will strain your relationships and you have to prioritize them in ways that you don't have to before you're as successful as you become. Can you expand on that? I think that I didn't estimate how much my business growth and my visibility and my platform would end up, I don't like to use the word sacrifice, but just how consuming it would become. and. I think that it allowed it, it kind of, you know, it was my priority and I didn't make time for my friendships or my professional relationships. This didn't really happen in my marriage or with my family, my very, very close circle, but sort of like just friends and even people that I knew professionally, I wish I would have worked harder on those relationships as I was growing my business because I very much didn't. And, um, it's not that I feel like I suffered from that, but it, it just really was something I didn't realize until after the fact, how much I had neglected it. And I don't necessarily regret it per se, but I think I could have handled it a bit more proactively and had some awareness because I think it came off more like I didn't care about things that I did. Um, but you're only one person. And the more you put on your plate, the more you have to, like things will fall off your plate. So you either need to decide what's coming off your plate or things will just get shoved off. And when things just sort of get shoved off is when it can either hurt the person who feels like they're being shoved off or hurt yourself. If all of a sudden you have neglected something that is important to you. And I don't think that I saw that happening as soon as I could have, as I was so focused on growing. And if I could go back, I think I would have had, and now I hope that moving forward, I have more awareness about how my priorities affect other priorities or lack thereof in my life. Yeah, that makes sense. How do you bounce back from a rough day? Good question. Um, I exercise. (laughs) I practice spirituality and mindfulness and really try to get grounded with what I know my values are and what I know my truths are. And I let myself walk away. I don't think that there's any value in working yourself to the bone just to prove a point. Um, But I do not let myself sulk for too long. And I try to take a lot of responsibility for the things that have gone wrong 
so that I can move forward in alignment and not feeling like I'm either in denial or on the other side where I'm like completely blameful. And finally, what's the smartest decision you've ever made? Marrying my husband. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, he's the best. Best decision of my life. And now you have a beautiful little baby boy. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I do. I'm very blessed. And I also want to say a bonus just because I wish more people talked about this publicly. One of the best decisions I ever made was sobriety. It was something that I didn't like need to do out of addiction, which I'm really grateful for. It was truly just something I chose and I'm a lot more clear headed for it. So if anyone's considering it, just, I suggest giving it a try. You can always go back to drinking if you choose. Amazing. Okay. Where can everybody find you? Give us all the info. You can find me on my website, leahgervais.com. And you can also find me on Instagram at leahgervais underscore. Um, Those are the places I am most active. And I'd love to hear from you. You can always DM me and let me know that you found me on Erica's Wonderful Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. You're a very good interviewer. If you loved this episode, please let me know. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share it on your Instagram stories and with your friends. And let's continue the conversation on Instagram. I'm at Erica Ashley and at Irrepressible the Podcast. Thank you so much for being here and I will see you next week.